so important and uh, we don't see this enough in these in today's world is for someone to take responsibility is so someone to actually say I made a mistake and I take full responsibility and I think that's important here I, I'm not going to speak I'm not going to speak to that I'm going to speak to the action of taking responsibility here and I think that's important and the president appreciates that <laughs>
that this hamster-brained man thinks he knows what the government is up to because he's a quarterback doing research on YouTube and listening to podcasts. I looked it up. This is actually a thing. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. The Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias in which people with limited competence in a particular domain overestimate their abilities. In other words, Aaron Rodgers is too arrogant to know how ignorant he is. It is incredible. When we show you these clips and then I say these people only need a mirror, everything he just accused Aaron Rodgers of is exactly what he is. His inflated sense of self-worth and all that. He has 20 writers probably, it might be 30 writers, 20 to 30 writers that are highly paid Hollywood writers to make him that funny. And then he lectures people every night instead of actually entertaining them before they go to sleep, which was the whole point of late night uh, comedy. By the way, um, Aaron Rodgers being skeptical of the vaccine and the mandates and all that, yeah, that was actually pretty wise. And we know about all the vaccine injured people and the fact that the vaccine did not actually stop you from getting COVID nor transmitting COVID and all of the stuff on top of mandates and everything else. But okay, so that's just a little squabble and you might go, okay, why do we really care about that? But I want to now connect this to something much larger because here's just another 10 or 15 second clip of Jimmy Kimmel. And I think you'll see where we're going here. The truth still matters. And when I do get something wrong, which happens on rare occasions, you know what I do? I apologize for it, which is what Aaron Rodgers should do, which is what a decent person would do, but I bet he won't. If he does, you know what I'll do? I'll accept his apology and move on, but he probably won't do that. My guess is he won't apologize. I oh, that's interesting, Jimmy. So decent people apologize, and you're not of you're not above an apology because I don't remember an apology for this. Dr. Fauci said that if hospitals get any more overcrowded, they're going to have to make some very tough choices about who gets an ICU bed. I don't, that choice doesn't seem so tough to me. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo? Rest in peace, Wheezy. You're <laughs> literally calling for the death of the unvaccinated, or at least for them not to be treated as equals at a hospital because they were hesitant over an experimental vaccine that we now know did not work. So Jimmy Kimmel loves the government. He loves, if the government tells you something, you better do it. He loves the pharmaceutical industry. If they want to inject you with something, you better do it. And he's really pissed that a football player who went to community college actually got more of this stuff right. But Jimmy, we'll, we'll can we clip this? We have the ability to clip videos. Is that something we can do? We're gonna clip this and I'm gonna tweet it at you, Jimmy, because an apology would be nice uh, for those people who just decided not to get vaxxed and then actually were not treated equally at hospitals. And then we now know that rates of cancer have jumped because people were not going to hospitals or were not admitted and a series of other subsequent uh, health problems that people now have. Uh, but this drama continues, and now I wanna show you how, okay, so they're just fighting, and you're going, all right, it's a late night TV star fighting with a football player. We get it about COVID, some people got it right, some people got it wrong. Uh, but it actually leaks all the way up into our political and, and media uh, stratosphere, let's say. Here is Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show uh, going after Kimmel, and then we'll show you a CNN response to that you know, mentioned uh, ivermectin being horse-faced and pushed that whole narrative for a long time. He gave a platform to one of the biggest uh, spreaders of misinformation during the COVID times, Dr. Fauci. Um, so in my opinion, Jeez. you know, he ripped me, about, ripped me about the vax and 
And that turns out to be an L on, on many occasions because the vax was not safe and effective like we were told that it was in the beginning. Uh, there are a lot of injuries now that we've seen related to the vaccine. So in my opinion, you went after me. That's fine. You're a comedian. Go for it. Not offended. But that was an L. Putting everything I've discussed so far aside, this concept that what is happening now on ESPN shows and on sports shows are constant debates over vaccines and race and everything else, that's partly why sports as a whole, why the MLB, the NBA, even NFL, I think, although a little lesser extent to the NFL, that the ratings have collapsed on all of these things because we are so sidetracked from talking about sports or watching people do exceptional things on the field and the court. And instead, we're always talking about the political version of that. But anyway, they're going back and forth on all of this. And now I want to connect it to the to that wider stratosphere I mentioned. Uh, here is CNN's Oliver Darcy. Now, this guy, Oliver Darcy, he has tried to cancel me many times. He's gone after Joe Rogan. He's just sort of like a stooge for the machine. He goes on CNN and he's like a media watchdog. So he's sort of like Brian Stelter light. I actually think he used to occasionally sit in for Stelter. Uh, and watch what he does here. He he lays the pressure into Disney, because of course Disney's connected to this too, because Disney owns ESPN, and much like they wrecked Star Wars, they wrecked ESPN. Uh, here is CNN's media watchdog, Oliver Darcy, putting pressure on Disney to basically fire Pat McAfee, who's the host of that show that Aaron Rodgers was on. Of course, what Rodgers is saying there is, is just not true. The medical community would have of uh, course, say that the vaccine was both safe and effective. And at some point, you have to wonder when ESPN and its parent company, Disney, when they step in here. You know, uh, Disney is at this point one of the only uh, major media companies outside maybe Fox News that would allow this sort of dangerous uh, anti-vaccine medical misinformation to be aired unchecked on their air. And this isn't the first time Rogers has done this. You know, he goes on these extended rants during his weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee show, which is aired on ESPN. But for now, ESPN and Disney, they're, they're staying silent and not commenting. What a little bug-eyed freak. Yes, the vaccines are safe and effective. The medical community believes that the vaccines are safe and effective. And it's only Disney owned ESPN that allows this besides Fox. You see, what they're trying to do, this is exactly what they were doing with Rogan a year and a half ago when they were all trying to cancel Rogan over the N-word, which he never said pejoratively. He was always saying to make fun of the people who are the actual racists. What they do is they go, oh shit, there is competition out there. People are tuning out of our nonsense. They're suddenly watching ESPN and getting more sane political analysis from Aaron Rodgers than they're getting here on our network. So we better put pressure on Disney to fire Pat McAfee for having that conversation. We better make sure that Fox can't get any advertisers because they're scary too. And by the way, let me say it one more time, the vaccine is not safe and effective. And I thank the good Lord every single day that I didn't get it, that guy didn't get it, this guy didn't get it, that guy didn't get it, the guy back there didn't get it. I wonder if my gardener got it. I feel like he didn't get it either. He's pretty cool. Uh, what's the point of all of this? Guys, if you take responsibility for your actions, as Aaron Rodgers is doing, he's not telling anybody how to live their life. He was just saying, hey, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm fit. I, I'm skeptical of this. It turned out to be right. If you take responsibility for your actions and you have self-awareness, you start actually putting some order into the world. And I think we can actually connect that to what's happening, not only in this Republican primary right now between Trump and DeSantis, but we'll, what will largely happen in the general election that we're probably gonna know the candidates of uh, pretty 
pretty quickly. Jimmy Kimmel doesn't seem to take responsibility for his missteps. I don't think Donald Trump's done a great job when it comes to taking responsibility for his missteps. I think Aaron Rodgers has, right? I think Ron DeSantis has, but we'll get there. Okay, you'll, you'll see, I promise. Let's talk about gravity to fire real quick. Guys, I wanna take you on a journey behind the scenes of the shoe industry where we'll uncover the stark contrast between a premium shoemaker and those simply riding on massive advertising budgets. Buckle up as I unravel the insights gained during this eye-opening exploration. Enter G-Defy Shoes, a true departure from the ordinary, backed by a groundbreaking clinical study conducted by UCLA. Now picture this. While others have clung to shoes featuring a run-of-the-mill memory foam sole for the past five decades, G-Defy stands apart with its patented and meticulously designed sole construction. This isn't just about absorbing shock. It's like your shoes giving you a high five with every step, boosting you forward and adding a pep to your stroll. G-Defy isn't going for the easy way out. They're not just grabbing any old sole off the shelf. Nope, they're on a mission to boost the biomechanics of how shoes work and fostering a movement that nurtures your body. Now, while other question the ad adequacy of their footwear, G-Defy is in the business of creating miracles. It's not just a shoe, it's an immersive experience, a device that alleviates pain and serves as a natural footwear to preempt further wear and tear. Trust me, you wanna be part of this revolutionary journey and I'm thrilled that I finally am. G-Defy doesn't pour millions into celebrity and athlete endorsements to entice you, although you might have spotted G-Defy on some famous feet. Instead, their investment is channeled into the foundational construction of the shoe. But don't take my word for it. Explore the multitude of reviews and testimonials from ordinary individuals who attest to the miraculous impact G-Defy shoes have had on their lives, available on the G-Defy website and social platforms. Visit G-Defy dot com right now because your feet deserve more than another pair of shoes and here's a little extra love for our listeners use the discount code ruben30 for an extra 30 dollars off your 150 dollar or more order yes that's right g defy your feet do it right now and now back to me i feel like that was a very intense ad read i, I should get some kind do they give kind of golden globe awards for that kind of thing Anywho, now let's shift this to uh, the political situation because yes, in about four or five days, Iowa finally has the caucus and then primary season is upon us. And it seems fairly obvious to me that Ron DeSantis, the guy that I'm obviously backing and is the governor of by far the best state in the union and the freest place on planet earth, uh, he pretty much needs a win in Iowa. I would say he either needs a win or a very second, second place, uh, a close second, let's say, to Donald Trump to continue after that. And then of course we get New Hampshire, South Carolina, we enter Super Tuesday, all of that kind of stuff. Anyway, as we roll into uh, this Iowa caucus, they are doing a, a few more town halls. CNN did one last night. And as usual, DeSantis, no fireworks, no, no crazy rants or anything else, just clear, calm answers that are truthful. Will the people decide that that's good enough? I'm not so sure, uh, but here's DeSantis answering a voter's question on the border and how he would do things differently than Donald Trump. We've got another question from Jim. He's an engineering manager here in Des Moines. Uh, Jim, there you are. Hey, listen, let me ask you, how, how are you looking at this race right now as you get ready to head to the caucuses on Monday? I'm looking forward to it. I think there's a lot of good candidates. I'm definitely leaning towards uh, Mr. DeSantis, but I have not fully decided yet. But okay. uh, well, looking you've got a question for the governor, so go ahead. Fine. I do. Uh, Donald Trump vowed to build the wall, yet only succeeded in building about 50 miles. Democrats used their activist judges and bureaucracy to obstruct the program. 
How will you address immigration and succeed where he failed? Well, thanks, Jim. And I, I think it's a huge issue uh, because if we can't get this right where we're a sovereign country and you have millions and millions of people coming from all over the world, uh, I don't see how we're going to be successful. So I'm going to declare a national emergency on day one in office. I'm going to marshal resources, including the military, to stop the invasion. When people come illegally, uh, they need to be deported back to their home country. You know, Donald Trump promised uh, record deportations. He actually deported less than Barack Obama did in his first four years. So he's promising the same this time, but he didn't do it the first time around. I will do it because if you don't have a sanction for coming illegally, you're going to continue to have the problem. I am going to build the wall. Now, he said build the wall to Mexico, pay for it. He's actually been in Iowa and has reflected on that promise. And he said there was no way he could have Mexico pay for it. They're not just going to give you money. There was no legal mechanism. But, you know, people criticized him in 16 for they said you can't do it. He said he would do it. I thought what he was going to do, and here's what I would do. The way you raise money for the wall, you charge fees on the remittances that workers send to foreign countries. Okay, as always, when you hear something true, your body doesn't feel tight and contorted. It's refreshing. You can sit up straight with your shoulders back and go like, oh, that was true. Now, the reason that I believe Ron DeSantis, when he says, I will declare a national emergency on day one and I will deploy the military, the border, and I will do the deportations, is he has a long track record of doing everything he said. You, person watching this right now, if you can give me a laundry list of items things that he has said that he was going to do that he did not do or outright lies. I would love to hear him, but I actually believe that he would do that. Now, will the people of Iowa uh, believe it? Do they believe it? Will they vote that way? We shall see. Uh, but here's just a quick clip of somebody at that town hall basically saying they were changing their mind on the fly. Good. So you, you, told, you said that you're leaning towards former President Trump. Is that still true? Or how are you feeling tonight? I thought I was, but I've heard a lot of good stuff tonight, so we'll see. All right. Who knows? Maybe people, you know, it's, it's very hard to see where the people who can change their votes are. You know, I always say how it's like the one set of people right now that I think at the general election that's, that really can move are those disaffected liberals because they're seeing what's going on with the Democrats and the progressives and all the nut, nutty stuff over there and the wokeness and all that. And they might move. Now, I think most of them, unfortunately, they just won't vote for Trump. They just won't if he's the nominee. I actually do think they might vote for DeSantis, and I think it will become more and more obvious that he is not some crazed right-wing maniac, racist, blah, 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 all of the things that people say about him. I think the more people see him, they just see this kind of decent guy. What's, what's like the number one criticism of DeSantis right now? The, the number one criticism seems to be he's not enough of a showman, he isn't boisterous enough, like he's just coming off as a decent guy who's there to do the job, who is in the military, like who's done a nice job as governor, young family, all of that. Uh, here was just, I'm just gonna show you one more from this. It's just a nice moment uh, where a voter, uh, I think captures, well, kind of what I've been trying to tell you. I believe when the Democrats vote for Biden, they're not voting for Biden, uh, but they're voting against Trump. And, and uh, the same thing um, if they're, uh, if they're uh, voting for Trump, then they're voting against Biden. And, and the reason I asked Ron that question uh, why he wasn't going after Trump is because I look at Ron as the only candidate that can unite the country. Because look at it. Trump gets elected, half the country is still going to be divided. And hopefully we don't 
you know, they don't go to any. Well, speaking of divided, you, you do have a question for the governor. I do have one. And, uh, but, I, but I believe Ron can unite the country. We got to have somebody that we can all stand behind, Republican or Democrat. Okay, sir. And he's the guy that can do it. What's your question? Thank you. Okay. Brett Baer was not having it, uh, you know, the lecture before the question. But the point there, if we're going to get past any of this, it seems fairly obvious to me that we need a leader who is honest. We need a president who is honest, who says what they're going to do and then goes ahead and does it. There's one guy running right now that has that track record. There's several other people running, I would say on the Democrat side and on the Republican side, that don't have a track record like that. They have a track record of failed promises and or outright lies or games or anything else. But imagine if DeSantis was president and started doing the right things at the border. Well, yes, would the left be going nuts and they would, would the activists still be doing their thing and Antifa and BLM and the Hamas people, would they all be pissed? Of course they would be. But the average person who is suddenly, who's just like a moderate Democrat and they do exist, or the average Republican that maybe occasionally could vote either way, they might go, you know, this guy's actually pretty decent. I'm not going to make a big deal about it, but I do like having a border. Oh, we've started deporting people. Oh, there's a little more law and order. Oh, he's empowered the states to do what they think is right. And we don't have just this authoritarian layer telling everyone what to do all the time. Like, I actually think it could work. It, that It's not that we're all going to be united, like we're all going to agree on all the issues. It's not like you get to day two of a DeSantis presidency or anyone's presidency and suddenly everyone's like, okay, we are, we're all united on abortion. No, that's never going to happen. But if you have someone up there that people can look at and be like, all right, we basically do know what he thinks and we do know what his actions are. The average person, not the activists, not the Twitter crazies, I actually think could come around and we could get something that would roughly feel like a united country. Uh, but yes, I do also think that that voter is right, that a certain amount of the Biden people are just voting anti-Trump and a certain amount of the Trump people are just voting anti-Biden, and that is a problem. Although there's a lot of reasons to be uh, anti-Biden, here's Biden himself. Uh, well, here he is, and it'll give you a good reason to think that you should be anti-Biden. That's the America we're building together. Instead of erasing history, we're making history. So a home owned by today, a home owned by a black family on one side of a highway, built by the same builder on the other side of the highway, and a white guy living in it, the white guy's home is valued more than the black guy. No, I know you know it, but guess what? That's how you build generational wealth. I know, I know you know it. No, you know what? Like he just makes up some story, right? Like I've bought houses before. Uh, often you don't know who lives in the house before you, or what color skin they are or anything. Like it's just, it's just endless. Also, we're making history, they're erasing history. You guys are the ones that are ripping down monuments. These are Democrats. This is your base, but even putting aside the house thing and like the specifics of real estate related to race and everything, it's like that they want everything to be so race focused. A black person owns a home, a white people will be able to pay less for it. It's just endlessly divisive. And that is what the Democrat party has right now, right? They will just make you think that everyone else is a bigot and a racist and blah, blah, blah. And by the way, there's the, the sort of polar opposite version of that coming out of Trump. All of these people are pedophiles and communists and whatever. Now, I would say a portion of them are, but there has to be something between those two things. Uh, unfortunately, one of the people not between those two things is brainlit AOC. 
Uh, here she is, uh, well, basically explaining that Republicans are bad because they're into impeachment, something that she was into for an awful long time when there was a certain orange man that was president. What they're using and what they're doing is taking impeachment and taking all of the most serious procedures that we have as a country, and they're learning to use it for political they're politically weaponizing it for an election purpose, for a political purpose. And in doing so, they are putting the people of this country, everyday Americans, absolutely at the bottom of the barrel. And they're putting themselves first. Mm. It's a selfishness that that really endangers this country. It endangers our electoral process. It endangers our legal process. It's deeply cynical. And it's done to reelect themselves and line their own pockets. Mm. All right, as you know, everything she just said Republicans are doing is exactly what Democrats did when Trump was president, right? Two impeachments, nobody even remembers what they were for. Both of them failed, obviously. One of them, the, the January 6th one, he was already leaving, like he was on the way out anyway, just utterly pointless and utter waste of time and money and brain power and everything else, and there's not a lot of brain power with that woman. Um, so when she talks about Republicans politically weaponizing things for their own benefits. It's the Democrats who literally right now as we speak, who are trying to remove Donald Trump off the ballot. That is, I would say, a mild case of political weaponization, do you think? Uh, anyway, here's a bit more because as you know, when the Democrats don't get the way they, uh, don't get things the way they want them, uh, then they try to destroy the institutions too. Uh, here's a AOC on, uh, well, maybe just removing Clarence Thomas from the Supreme Court. So why do you think he should, he should recuse himself? I mean, I think it, it's very clear. Clarence Thomas and rather his wife, Ginny, participated in the events of January 6th. And now what is likely going before the Supreme Court is a judgment as to whether an event that his wife participated in, that his wife has been investigated by in the January 6th committee in, qualifies as an insurrection. And Clarence Thomas's decision on that one way or another, and overall the court's decision on that, would directly implicate his wife. And so this is just one of the most classic textbook conflicts of interest. Uh, and it would frankly be a scandal if he did not recuse. Do you think? What an, what an absolute farce. And I did watch the extended version of that. He offers no pushback. Anderson Cooper offers no pushback. He is just a corporate mouthpiece. That is all he is. You see what AOC did there at first. At first, she tried to imply that Clarence Thomas himself had something to do the, with the insurrection. Then she backtracks, says it's all about Ginny Thomas. Again, what she's referring to is that these cases in Colorado and where's the other one? Um, and Maine, where they've removed Donald Trump from the ballot for insurrection, something he hasn't been convicted of, that's going to obviously those cases will work their way up to the Supreme Court. And I just have no doubt that the Supreme Court is going to do the right thing and reverse them. But she wants Clarence Thomas to recuse himself from that because she doesn't like Clarence Thomas because she doesn't like an uppity black guy who doesn't think the way she thinks. Let's put that aside for a moment. Uh, the other sort of strange story over the last couple days, uh, and it's related to these people that constantly lie about everything is that our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, uh, he was MIA for about a week. Uh, and well, we've got some info here from the Daily Wire. This story is just absolutely insane. 
Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin remained hospitalized on Sunday night after being rushed to the hospital at the start of the new year after experiencing severe pain as he recovered late last month from an elective procedure. The Pentagon said in a statement that Austin remained at the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, but was recovering well and in good spirits. The Wall Street Journal reported that Austin had an undisclosed elective procedure on December 22nd during scheduled leave and returned home the following day. On January 1st, Austin experienced severe pain and was rushed to Walter Reed where he was admitted into its intensive care unit, the report said. The report said that the White House was not notified of the situation because Austin chief, Austin's chief of staff, uh, Kelly Magsiman, was simultaneously out at the same time with the flu and because chairman of the G Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, General C.Q. Brown, was not wasn't bound to tell the White House as, an, as a subordinate advisor. All right, so do you get what just happened here? So the guy has surgery. We'll have more on that in just a second. He dips out. They don't tell the White House. They don't tell the White House because his number two is on vacation. The one after that, they're claiming there's some chain of command thing. Just seems a little odd. You know, you'd think the White House might know if the head of the military at the moment, right, the defense secretary, do you think that if he was out for an afternoon that somebody might need to know about that? Anyway, Peter Ducey over at Fox, one of the few people that I can call a journalist without using air quotes, here he is asking White House spokesman John Kirby how this possibly happened and could they be lying about someone else's health if they've been lying about Lloyd Austin's health? And we'll get more to Lloyd Austin's health in just a sec. Why should we believe anything that this administration tells us about anything ever again. I think we all recognize, and I think the Pentagon has been very, very honest with themselves about uh, the, um, the challenge to, to, to credibility by what, by what has transpired here and by, what, and by uh, uh, how, how how hard it was for them to be fully transparent with the American people. I think we all recognize that. And the administration is going to go to such great lengths to keep secrets about the defense secretary's health. How can anybody be certain that the administration would not go to the same lengths to keep secret problems with President Biden's health in the future? If, if you could logically argue, and you can't, but if you could logically argue that How, the administration... He's wait, 81 wait, years old. Wait a second. Just give me a second What's here, bub. There I'll get there. If, if the administration made some sort of Machiavellian effort uh, across the board to, to, to keep this from getting public, then I think your question has merit and, and certainly is a fair one. I don't think it's a fair one because that's not what happened here, Peter. What happened here is the Secretary of Defense, uh, for whatever reason, I can't answer the question why, uh, that information wasn't shared. It wasn't shared widely in the department, and it worse? certainly wasn't shared with you the United States. It's, it's not good. It's certainly not good, which is why, again, we want to learn from this. We want to, we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. All right, there's just so much nonsense there. I mean, the main question that we all had in this room was what is going on with that guy's shoulder pads? I mean, he's making B. Arthur proud, right? Like there's some Michael Scott level shoulder pads there. Um, also, he's like, I can't, how could I answer why the guy wouldn't tell us what he was doing? Who, who do you think I am? I'm the, I'm the White House press secretary. I'm not somebody that's supposed to know something. It's just absolutely absurd. Of course, the, the broader point that we all, every sane person in America right now has, let's just say some slight 
uh, curiosity as it relates to Joe Biden's health, right? The stammering, the confusion, the falling asleep, the wandering out into the forest. Like there's a bunch of stuff that I think legitimately we could ask about. What Kirby tries to do there is make it seem like the only way you could really ask about that is if it was some mass Machiavellian plan across the board, everybody knew. It might be a pretty small conspiracy. It might only be a conspiracy between Dr. Jill Biden, and don't you forget she's a doctor, and Joe Biden's physician, whoever's giving him the drugs, and they obviously are, and a couple other people. I think it's possible that John Kirby doesn't even know what's going on, but that doesn't mean that nothing is going on. Uh, anyway, here's the John Kirby's counterpart. When when uh, Kirby's not available, as you know, they trot out uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the diversity hire, black lesbian, and here she is explaining a little bit more about this situation and how Joe Biden knew nothing about it. When Jake Sullivan and then Jeff Zients and then the president here that Secretary Austin's in the hospital, didn't they ask why is he in the hospital? How did the president not know until this morning that it was cancer? How did five days go without knowing the death? That is something that we're trying to find. No, I, I hear you, but that is something that we are going to get a sense of this process, right? That's why they're going to do a review. That's why the Pentagon's going to do a review. Oh, well, we're just trying to figure it out. We, we, we have no idea. Oh, did you catch that, by the way? So yeah, Lloyd Austin has cancer. Now, I wish him well, and hopefully the surgery went well, but do you think that the Secretary of Defense in a situation that we're in right now with everything going on in the Middle East and constant encroachment by China and, I don't know, that Russia-Ukraine thing and everything else, do you think that it might be uh, public knowledge, important public knowledge that the Secretary of Defense has cancer and that if he's going to under that, now he could have cancer and still be able to do, do the job. That is certainly possible. Uh, but do you think it's odd that they did not inform the President of the United States about this? The man then underwent surgery. His number two person was on vacation and nobody told the administration and Corinne Jean-Pierre, well, we don't know somebody. We'd have to figure out how somebody, something, I don't know anything about anything. Speaking of people who don't know anything about anything, Jen Psaki, who was the former White House press secretary before Jean-Corinne Pierre and uh, John Kirby. She's got a show on propaganda mental institution, MSNBC right now. And uh, she had Nancy Pelosi on and they uh, were discussing what should happen to Lloyd Austin after all of this. Do you feel, still feel confident in him serving as Secretary of Defense? Well, I'm a big fan of, of, of the Secretary. I think he's done a remarkable job as Secretary of Defense. He commands great respect. In fact, I was going to give him a call <laughs> this past week about something, and I thought I'll just do it when I get back to D.C. But um, uh, that's really something up to the, him and the president of the United States because nobody knows better than the secretary of defense and the commander in chief. This alcoholic woman, like the children, the children. Um, I was gonna give him a call. That's what she says, I was gonna give him a call. You know why she didn't give him a call? Because he, missed, he mysteriously disappeared because he was in the hospital for secret cancer surgery and didn't tell anyone. And he has not done an extraordinary job. Look at what is going on in the world right now. We don't have to go through the laundry list. So the point, guys, is how do we get out of this mess? How do we get out of a situation where our media lies to us about everything, our late night comedians lie to us about everything, our politicians lie to us, the spokespeople lie to us about everything, and then a few of us are spinning out there in the universe going, is there anything true? Is there any way to assemble something good again, something real 
and tangible? Well, yes, I do think there is a way to do it. We'll get to that at the end, but I wanna go a little bit deeper in what happens when people lie to us all the time. So when Donald Trump says, I'm gonna build a wall and deport people, and he doesn't, then immigration gets worse. When Joe Biden says, uh, there is no problem at the border, and we know that there's a problem, then things start getting worse. Now check this story out. This is the viral story of the day, and I don't know how much coverage it's gonna get on mainstream because it doesn't fit the narrative. This is absolutely, completely freaking bananas. At James Madison High School in Brooklyn, take a look at this, breaking. James Madison High School Brooklyn has informed parents that tomorrow classes will be remote. Why? Because a group of 2,000 illegal aliens are being transferred to New York City and will be sleeping in the school's gym. Americans are being deprived of an education to cater to illegals. Council member Ina Vernikov released a statement blasting the decision. That's from the libs of TikTok. Uh, and now let's just check out some of the video. These are illegal immigrants, migrants, whatever you want to call them, but they are illegal. Here they are uh, pouring into this school and its gymnasium in Brooklyn last night. There's so much here, it's like, it's just incredible. Okay, so first off, the, the basic idea that we are now, after everything we know, after the three years of all of that COVID bullshit, we are having kids in Brooklyn kicked out of their own school to learn remotely, and we know that means basically not learning, so that 2,000 illegals can be you know, housed at this school in and of itself is crazy. These people should not be in the country. That is not to say that those kids are not nice and cute and everything else, but they should not be here. By the way, that school normally has metal detectors at those doors for the kids to walk through, nor the normal students from Brooklyn to walk through, the usual students. Somehow those metal detectors disappeared as the illegal migrants were walking their way through. Um, we, we, let's just show you a little bit more from this. Uh, I mean, it's just, look at these. There's supposed to be metal detectors there, they're not. So you have to have your normal students walking through metal detectors. But look, these people, again, it's not to say any of these people are mean or bad or anything else, but they are not supposed to be here. But congratulations if you live in New York City. Congratulations if you live in Brooklyn. Congratulations if you live in Chicago or LA or anywhere else that decided to become a sanctuary city. You are going to import all of these people. And I know you had the best of intentions and you just wanted to be nice. And then congratulations, your kids will be kicked out of school. Your tax dollars will not go to roads or for good education or anything else, it will go to destroy your life. And you will pay for it and you will sit there and shut up because you're a good Democrat. Anyway, Elon Musk uh, saw this video and he uh, had this to say, this is what happens when you run out of hotel rooms. Soon cities will run out of schools to vacate, then they will come for your homes. 
I mean, that is a freaking scary ass warning. And I'll tell you something. I don't even know that I even said this when we were leaving LA. One of the main reasons, so I left LA obviously after the failed recall and COVID lockdowns and everything else. One of my main concerns, because we had an absolutely beautiful house. It was up the hill a little bit. I, I really thought we were gonna live there, raise our family there. I thought we were gonna be there the rest of our lives. We had just moved in a year before. Had no intentions. We built a great studio, all that. Had no intentions of moving. We were, we were in the valley off Ventura Avenue, which, subs, which just a year before had been completely destroyed in the name of tolerance and peace by the BLM and Antifa activists. But anyway, there were all of these then vacant buildings because nobody was going to work anymore in Los Angeles. And I said to David one day as we were at the supermarket, I was like, I have no doubt that one day all of the illegals will be moving into all of these empty vacant buildings. And when the illegals get there and there are no jobs for them and they're not happy with the services and everything else, where are the houses that they're gonna be breaking into to steal all the stuff? Oh, those are the houses right up there. And that, that was gonna be our house. And that's partly why we got out there. So Elon Musk absolutely gets it. You let in all of these people, you destroy all the social services. Now you're letting them take over freaking schools. And when, because we already know they took over the homeless shelters. And then eventually, yes, they will start taking over people's houses too. They will literally just show up at your door, kick you out of the house. And you think the LA police department's gonna do anything? You think the new NYPD is gonna do anything with when eight African men that are 25 military age come in and they say they wanna take over your home. Yeah, the police are gonna do anything. They ain't gonna do jack shit. And speaking of people that don't wanna do jack shit, here's Democrat Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut uh, saying that the Democrats are just not going to do anything about this. I think we are interested as Democrats in providing the administration with tools that will help better manage the border. We are not interested in taking away from the administration tools that they use today to help better manage the border. And so when we talk about this topic of parole, it is very important to understand that it is used today as a way that the administration is able to better manage the flow in a planful way of individuals to the border. Man, these people are evil. Did you catch the dystopian language? Did you catch the 1984 part of that? We don't want to take away the tools that he has to manage the border, meaning not stop people from coming in, which is what he should be doing. We don't want to take away the tool. What's the tool? The tool is the parole. The tool is you come here illegally. We have some sort of mechanism. You sign something. We give you a phone. We ship you off to Chicago or to San Diego. We don't want to take that away because that's how we're managing, right? That's how we're managing the situation. So they want more of these illegals here. They are trying to destroy our country. There is an invasion. I don't think this makes me a tin foil hat conspiracy theorist. I'm just repeating what they are saying. I'm just cleaning up the language. He's saying, well, there's a certain system in place. The system gets the people here, then gets them into our country. We wouldn't want to stop him from doing that. Let's shift this over to uh, the Republican side, because while Democrats blow, Republicans suck. You guys all know that. And uh, Donald Trump, you may remember Donald Trump, uh, said he was going to build a wall. He built about 50 miles of it. There's some people that say he built about 500 miles. It doesn't matter. We've got about 2,500 miles that need to be built if it's ever going to happen. The Democrats didn't want to work with him. I don't put the blame all on him on that. Uh, he said he was going to kick a whole bunch of people out. He didn't do any of that. Obama actually kicked more people out than Trump did. Uh, but you may remember this from back in October. 
uh, when Trump actually admitted, he said the quiet part out loud, that when he was saying Mexico was going to pay for it, it was just complete BS. He just made it up, and here he is admitting it. So with all those losers out there that say Trump never got the, you remember I used to say Mexico will pay for the piece of the wall. I'll say, what's going to happen with their fight? I say the wall gets higher. We all had a lot of fun, but I said Mexico will pay for a piece of the wall. Well, there was no legal instrument to do all those losers who believed me. All, I, I just said some stuff. I say crazy stuff. There was no legal mechanism to make that thing happen, but I just said that crazy crazy thing. And of course it didn't happen, but I will do it again this time. Do you guys believe me? So what do we, what do, we do here, guys? We got a couple days before this Iowa caucus. I, I have no doubt that I am, uh, well, no, no, I want to word that a little bit differently. Not have no doubt. Um, it seems to me if I was to believe the polls, and if I was to believe the mainstream uh, take on all of this, uh, then this then this election has already been decided, right? Trump's gonna win the Republican thing on a landslide, and then somehow, even though the election was stolen from him last time, he will beat Biden by such a high degree this time, they will not steal it again. I don't think that solves any problems. I don't think Trump solves any problems. I don't think Biden side solves any problems. I think they are two sides of the same coin. Um, but I do think there is a better choice, and I think there's, uh, instead of uh, listening to someone who tells you a loser while he's also telling you that you shouldn't believe his lies, uh, there are some people who actually say things and actually go ahead and do them. I'm sick of elites imposing their vision on open borders on you and on us with them not having to face the consequences of it. So we thought it was worth it to send 50 illegals to Martha's Vineyard. They said they were a sanctuary city. They claimed that nobody was illegal and all are welcome, but you know what they did? They deported them the next day. They called out the army to deport just 50 of them. Just think what's going on at the border with our border. I think the choice is fairly clear, right? We have this little moment where maybe we can start fixing these things. I do not know that we will do it. Again, as I said yesterday, if you live in Iowa right now and you're watching this thing, man, about 180,000 people caucused last time in Iowa. It's not a tremendous amount of people. You have influence. You could set the table for something to really shift in this country right now. And I think most people, regardless of where you sit politically, think something is not right, right? The Democrats think there's something really wrong with the Republicans and the Republicans think there's really something wrong with the Democrats and all of that stuff. But we have this little bit of a window right now, a couple days left to convince those people in Iowa to do the right thing. And if they, not, well, what I believe to be the right thing, but vote for someone that might get us out of some of this nonsense because Trump is not getting us out of this nonsense and Biden isn't getting us out of this nonsense. Maybe that other guy could, maybe, I think it's worth a shot. Uh, guys, People of the Internet is live at 1 p.m. today. If you want to join us for the post-game show, coming up in about 30 seconds, rubenreport.locals.com. And we leave you with Kathy Hochul and bacon and eggs and cheese and what? Concerned eyes of our healthcare workers striving to heal the sick and comfort the dying. And it's even the welcoming smile of bodega owners making a bacon, egg, and cheese in the morning. You know, they're good. I've had them.
Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.